Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have a couple of things that I want to cover. Um, first of all, Tad Boyle and Deshaun Schwartz are going to be talking to the media in about an hour. So I'm going to record part of this podcast and then jump on that call. And then I'll come back and tell you guys what I learned. Uh, probably going to be talking about uh, the the Florida State game. I mean, definitely, that is what the call is about. Uh, they're going to be talking about Florida State. And I'm curious to hear what they have to say. Um, I, I think we talked about our concerns just a little bit on the post-game show yesterday. I wonder what Tad thinks. I wonder what Tad thinks. Uh, so that will be on the way in the second half of this podcast. Uh, so, again, just stay tuned because... Should be a lot of fun. Um, before that, though, I want to talk about how bad the Big Ten is. And that's going to be the plan for the first half of this show. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Pac-12 being good, too. I don't know. Just kind of depends on where the vibes go. If you haven't noticed, I'm I'm a little tired. Uh, it's been a long couple of days with all these basketball games and things going on. I'm going to be as energetic as possible. But also, if you want to put today's episode on double speed maybe not a bad idea um we're gonna take our first little well i guess this isn't a break this is more of like a a pause and i'm gonna tell you more about the colorado xos so what the colorado xos are is a rugby team um a, a pretty good rugby team and definitely a really fun rugby team uh they've been winning a couple of games here early in the season and that's Honestly, kind of a surprise given what they are. They're a bunch of athletes who played a bunch of different sports like football or soccer or basketball or whatever and are now learning rugby right here in Glendale, Colorado at Infinity Park. Um, Infinity Park happens to be the training site of the U.S. national teams. um, And the goal for the Colorado XOs is to take these athletes, teach them rugby, develop them, and then get them onto those national teams. It's a cool project and... It's a lot of fun to follow along, so I recommend that you do that with the DMVR rap or DMVR rugby podcast and the DMVR rugby Twitter feed. Also, the written content on the website. Okay, so the Big Ten, um, and the reason we're talking about this, well, first of all, is because the Pac-12 still hasn't lost a basketball game in this tournament, and the Big Ten. You know, it hasn't, like, imploded or anything, but there have been some low points for a conference that a lot of people really thought was by far the best in basketball. And you know what? 
that may still be true, and a lot of it, I think, depends on your definition of a good basketball conference. Like, what you're looking for? Are you looking for the best of the best at the top, or are you looking for a team where if, if you go eight versus eight, they're going to win that eight versus eight matchup against any co- conference in the country? Um, and I think that that might still be true. Here's the thing, though, is that the Big Ten this season had a pretty crazy benefit. And the reason why I think they have been seen as such a great conference is because of what they did in non-conference play. And what they did was not lose very many games at all. Um, You look through this conference, you know, there are a few teams that were undefeated. Um, There were... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams out of the 14 teams that only had one loss or less in non-conference play. Pretty crazy. 10 of 14 only had one loss in non-conference play. The others, Indiana, who is very good at five and two, Illinois, who people said was very good at five and two, Purdue at five and three. And bringing up the tail end of the Big Ten Conference, the Nebraska Cornhuskers at 4-3. and three. Ooh, also, I should say, uh, Colorado heading to the third round of the WNIT on Monday at 6 o'clock. The Buffs will play at 545. My plan, personally, is to turn on the radio broadcast of the women's game, which you can find on the Buffs website. The reason being that the streaming service that streams those games is $30 a month. That's a lot of money. Um, And then on the TV, I'll have the men's game. And then during commercials of the men's game, you turn up the volume on the women's game, and there you go. You have like a nice little balance. So that's my plan. The reason I brought that up, by the way, is because they beat Nebraska in the second round yesterday. Um, Back to the Big Ten, though. Um, Again... You look at the records, and they did very, very well in non-conference play. But at the same time, they didn't play the very top competition by any means. Um, well, I, I mean, that's not totally true. A couple of teams played a couple of good teams, but they lost those games. Let's uh, take Illinois, for example. So Illinois finished the season as... Uh, the number two team in the country. Number two in the country. And the reason, honestly, why I'm doing this whole thing today is because they just lost to Loyola Chicago um, in a game that would have sent them to the Sweet 16. So it seems like a good time to dig in. But you look at this team that a lot of people had picked to win the entire tournament, and they've won games against ranked teams. Uh, They've lost a couple games as well. What I'm interested in is the non-conference games. And in those non-conference games, you know, like I said, they only lost two of them. One to Missouri, a tournament team, and only by three points. One to Baylor, one of the very best teams in the country, and that was by 13 points. But you look at the wins, and they start with North Carolina A&T, I believe that is, 122 to 60, a nice blowout win. They played Chicago, which I, I the the logo is a green panther. It looks like never heard of them. They won 97 to 38, so congrats Illinois. They beat Ohio, 
77 to 75. A tournament team won a game yesterday as a 13 seed, 14, 13 seed, yeah. Um, they uh, then had their one win, one non-conference win against a ranked opponent, and that was against number 10, Duke. And Duke didn't wind up making the tournament, and they were only ranked at that point in the season because people were basing the rankings off of reputation still because they hadn't seen enough basketball. That is what Illinois did this season, and a lot of people thought that they were going to be the, the champion of this tournament. And, and that includes me. I had them in my Final Four, maybe because I didn't do enough research. I'm not really sure. But when you look throughout this conference, I mean, who else is still alive? Uh, Wisconsin is down 10 right now. Oh, it, Iowa, for example. Iowa also only had one win over a ranked team that wasn't in the Big Ten this season. It was against North Carolina. Very similar to Duke. Very similar to Duke. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what you see when you go through all of these. They're just not a lot of good wins, except for the games they played against each other. Because you remember, Illinois beat up on all these bad teams. So did the rest of the conference. And because there weren't many losses, if your number one team in the conference loses to the number eight team in the conference, well, guess what? That still counts as a really good team because they were 5-0 and in non-conference play. and Or no, they would have been 5-1 and in non-conference play. And the five wins probably would have been by an average of 30 points against some not very good basketball teams. So it doesn't hurt you in the net rankings and all of those other metrics. And... It's kind of dumb. Now, it is the only way you can do it. Like, all you can really base those metrics on is what you do during the season. And because the season was so different um, in that the first month was essentially cut off, and that basically meant a month of non-conference games were cut off. So teams were playing a third of the games, half of the games they usually play during non-conference play. A lot of teams, especially a lot of these Big Ten teams, scheduled games against some really bad opponents because... They were close. You know, Illinois, for example, they played Chicago. Yeah, because they're close. There's no other reason to play that team. Like, I guess there's not much risk of a loss, but you're you're not going to gain anything. And that's kind of how this whole snowball started happening. Take, for example, the Pac-12 conference. Um Still did well in non-conference play. They didn't have 8 of 14 teams. Is that what I said? Or 8 of 12? Now I'm forgetting. But but whatever it was, that many teams only have one loss or less. But when you look at the Pac-12... Or wait, was it 8 teams had no losses? Now I'm, I'm it's so long ago that we were talking about that. Um, Pac-12 though. Arizona 6-0. Washington State 7-0. Uh, USC seven and one, Colorado six and one, Oregon five and one, uh, Cal's five and one, Utah's three and one, UCLA six and two, Stanford four and two, Oregon State four and two, Arizona State three and three, Washington one and three. So Washington beats Colorado. Colorado in the metrics takes a massive, massive, massive hit. One of those losses, remember, was to my Montana Grizzlies. Massive hit, <laughs> massive hit. A hit that isn't even possible. Hasn't been possible for any of these Big Ten teams for the last three months. They haven't played a team that could do the damage that Washington did. And then, when Colorado goes and beats USC three times, 
Well, guess what's happening to USC? Some of that that Washington loss to Montana just gets spread out, and they wind up getting knocked down too. And it, the whole conference just gets devalued. So the strength of this Big Ten conference was that every team basically did well in non-conference play. I think every team had a winning record, maybe including Nebraska. So that, to me, is kind of my theory. Um, I guess we didn't really talk about what happened to these Big Ten teams. Before we do that, though, I do also want to say the bottom teams in non-conference winning percentage for for the Pac-12 this season were Washington was the worst, then Arizona State, Oregon State, Stanford, UCLA. Washington has the big, big, big win over Colorado and a couple of others. Arizona State stole plenty of games from Pac-12 teams this season. Oregon State, the next worst, won the whole thing. Won the whole thing. Stanford was right there beating up on anybody. um, Or maybe not beating up on anybody. Winning games versus anybody all year. And then you have UCLA, and we all know what UCLA did. And so when those are the teams that are winning games during league play and they were losing games during non-conference play, it just sucks because how all this works is the non-conference play basically, like there's there's a bunch of points and this isn't actually how it works, but it's a way to think about it. You know, there's a thousand points that you spread out among all the college basketball teams and whoever has the most is the best. And the way it goes is non-conference decides how those are allocated to the conferences. And then during conference play, every team kind of starts with what they have, but then they all kind of get dispersed from there. And because the Big Ten went into conference play with so many teams that had started the season so well, that was a boost that there it was impossible to get rid of. In theory, I guess it could have gotten like spread out more toward the bottom. More teams like like Nebraska could have stolen some, but because everybody had such good standing, because they were averaging such good margins of victory against bad teams, that there was enough to go around. And there's certainly value to that. Like, that is something that the Pac-12 should take note of. Like, you want to have a deep conference. There is very clear value to having a deep conference. Those non-conference games that, you know, are, are easy to kind of overlook, you know, not not like when CU's playing, but when Oregon's playing, whoever Oregon's playing in the second week of the season, and it's a mid-major that's not all that good, and Colorado has a game three hours later in football, and you're just like, well, we'll, we'll get to basketball when we get there. That's why those games matter. That's, that's the difference. And, um... It's pretty crazy to see that play out. Um, now, though, we should just talk about th- what happened to the Big Ten um, because I just realized maybe some of you haven't been paying all that much attention to the NCAA tournament outside of Colorado. Um, so their first game was the playing game UCLA-Michigan State. UCLA won that, obviously. Uh, their next game of the tournament was Illinois versus Drexel, the one sixteen matchup. Props to the Big Ten. Pulled it out. Uh, next game was uh, Oral Roberts versus Ohio State, the 215 matchup. Oral Roberts, obviously with the upset, that was kind of the big story of the day. Uh, and at that point, the Big Ten's 1-2, and two, and a two-seed has gone down. Um, from there, Wisconsin did beat North Carolina. Again, we know what we think of North Carolina. Um, Purdue, number four, a four-seed, lost to... Uh, 13 seed North Texas 
Uh, Rutgers did win the 10-7 game over Clemson as the 10 seed. Uh, uh, let's see. And that was it for Friday. Saturday, you have uh, Michigan, the one seed beating Texas Southern in their first game of the day. Um, again, one sixteen matchup. Uh, from there, you go to Iowa beating Grand Canyon in the two fifteen matchup. Um, you have Maryland beating UConn in the ten seven, and then you uh, start today with the Illinois loss. Um, and, and I mean, it hasn't been a disaster. They have a winning record, but based on what we were told about all these teams coming in, the fact that we're looking at it now and with Wisconsin down 42-29 at half right now, if that's a loss, then they're going to have, let's see, they're going to have Iowa playing Oregon to get into the Sweet 16. They're going to have Maryland, a 10 seed, playing a 2 seed, Alabama, to get into the Sweet 16. Oh, and then Michigan won versus 8 to get in. So three teams with a chance to get into the Sweet 16 still. And as we stand here right now, the Pac-12 had Colorado, uh, USC, Oregon, and UCLA. Oh, and Oregon State today, of course. So five teams still alive compared to the two for the Big Ten. And I don't think that there were many people who were saying that that is what was going to happen. So I don't know. I think maybe there was something to learn from this experience. And, you know, the the other thing is that assuming everything goes well, we'll have a normal non-conference schedule next year, and you're not going to get these weird results. Like, obviously, half the season will still be insulated, the conference season, but that's better than having three-quarters of the season insulated and fewer games in general. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, that's not true. It's, it's going to be a bit of a long break, but we're going to take a break and then I will be back to talk about what Tad and Deshaun had to say about Florida State. If you are not a DNVR member, now is the time to join uh, for a bunch of different reasons. First of all, there's a whole lot going on in Denver sports right now um, with Colorado in the NCAA tournament. You've got uh, the, the Rockies and Avs entering the final stages of their seasons. Um, you have the Broncos, who will have a good defense at the very least, but maybe not all that much more. Um, yeah, I mean, cool stuff going on. Draft in a month. Things can get better. Uh, on top of that, there are some very cool deals that you can take advantage of. If you become a DNVR member, not only do you get uh, access to all of our written content access to a members only discord where you can talk about any of the sports teams or let's see there's channels for movies or all sorts of different things um there's a, a free shirt that you get when you get an annual membership you also get access to weekly deals from the dmvr locker um you get a big beer for the price of a tiny beer at the dmvr bar um so many cool things including you also get a recover holistic stick from holistic wellness um what's that you ask a holistic holistic sorry wellness is all about the cbd the stick we will send you packs 10 milligrams of cbd and this one is focused on recovery all you do is pop the top of the stick pour it in any drink stir it and then you drink it they are amazing and so easy to use no mess grab the stick 
pop the top and stir. Uh, you can also check them out for yourself at holisticwellness.com. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com. Um, again, if you use that code DNVR30 at Holistic Wellness, then you can get 30% off your first purchase. Or if you just want to check it out, you can get the yearly membership from DNVR, get your first Holistic Wellness stick, and uh, you also will get a coupon for whatever other products you want to buy from them. So cool stuff. Check that out for sure. Also, Hassle Cattle Company. We brought you damn good beer. Now we're bringing to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the best farm-to-table Wagyu steaks that you can find anywhere at a reasonable price point. Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship their meat all over the USA and straight to your door. Um, Again, it's affordable. And there's so many awesome products from the uh, Wagyu smoked sausage, the New York strip, the beef bacon, the Wagyu frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy, and their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls, they breed them with Angus cows, and that gives you a prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. And use the promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off. Any orders over $200 and you receive free shipping. Check them out. We promise you will not be disappointed. And one final shout out for Gabby Insurance. Gabby Insurance is a place for you to go to make sure that you are not wasting money. Um, And a lot of us are, it turns out. They have found that their customers, on average, save $961 a year. That's a lot of money. Think of what you could do with almost $1,000 a year. Um, And that's what people save on their car and home insurance. The way that Gabby works is basically you go to their website, gabi.com slash dnvr, and it'll ask you a bunch of questions, including for your uh, insurance policy, And then it will take that insurance policy and get quotes for the exact same policy from 40 of the top insurance providers. Um, There are names like Progressive, Nationwide, Travelers. And again, they're just trying to give you a better deal on your current insurance. They aren't trying to change things or cut any corners or, or make you have worse insurance in exchange for paying less money. You're paying less money for the exact same coverage. Um, it's a really cool concept. And again, it's saving people a lot of money. So definitely check it out. Um, it's totally free to check. There's no obligation. You can go to gabby.com slash DNVR. That's G-A-B-I.com slash DNVR. And remember, they do not sell your info. You will not get blown up with insurance calls after checking Gabby out. That itself is super comforting to me. One more time, head to gabi.com slash DMVR and see how much you can save. And make sure you get that slash DMVR in there to get us some credit. All right, uh, that's all over. And now I get to tell you about Tad Boyle and Deshaun Schwartz. Um, There were some interesting notes. I think that, well, let's just start at the beginning. Um, Tad said that it's tough to play a- another game with virtually no notice. Um, and that's exactly what Colorado is going to be dealing with going up against Florida State. You know, they, they didn't know if they were going to have another game. 
they didn't know if they were going to have another game, who they would be playing. So that's kind of the problem because you don't want to waste too many resources. Um, obviously, the exact same thing is happening to Florida State. And so, in a way, this is this is a race for the coaches to put together some game plans and see what they can come up with for tomorrow. Such a quick turnaround. Now, at the same time, there was a little bit of advanced scouting. Um, and it's very similar to what happened in the Pac-12 tournament where Colorado got out to Las Vegas but didn't know who they were going to play because they had that buy in the first round. They knew it was going to be Cal or Stanford. What they did was put one assistant coach um, – on the Cal assignment and one on the Stanford assignment. And then as soon as they figured out who they were going to play, they kind of had like 75% of a game plan ready and just needed to go through and clean things up and bring in the other coaches and figure things, you know, that kind of stuff. That is exactly what happened again for this quick turnaround. Um, they split their assistant coaches up. Uh, I believe, yeah, it was Mike Roan who took... Uh, UNC Greensboro. It was Rick Ray who took Florida State. And the reason he took Florida State was because he is coached so much in the South. And because he's coached in the South and was coaching in the South very recently, uh, he has recruited a lot of the players on FSU's team. He's, he's followed the team. He, he knows what they like to do, those sorts of things. He, he has a little bit of insight into what's going on there. Um, and, and I think that hearing that certainly made, made me more confident. Um, I don't know a lot about Florida State's coaching staff. Off the top of my head, I don't think I know of any like West Coast ties. Uh, so maybe there's a little bit of an edge there. Um, another edge that Colorado will have, well, I guess that's not really an edge for Colorado because both teams will have it, is that because the game is going to be so much later than yesterday's game, the team's going to have time for a shoot-around in the morning, um, which is, uh, according to both Tad and Deshaun, a very good thing. Um, Tad, because there's more time to go through the game plan and go through the actions that Florida State's going to run and practice stopping those, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Deshaun said the same thing, but he also said, it's good to get out of our hotel rooms and get up on our feet for a little bit. And he said that that was absolutely the biggest thing that makes him excited about that shoot around because these guys really have just been cooped up I mean, the way that they have to quarantine basically everybody so that there aren't outbreaks that spread throughout the tournament. I mean, you can imagine uh, they aren't really allowed to do much of anything at all. And so I do think that that'll be good. Um, I also think that you'd expect Colorado to, have more success trying to continue its shooting momentum from the last game if you have a shoot-around before you play again. But when they shot over 60% from three on Saturday, they didn't have a shoot-around beforehand, so who knows if that's all that relevant. Deshaun said he thought it helps. So uh, there's some stuff on all that. What else do we know? Deshaun talked a little bit more about the team. Um, he said that he thought, and, and the team thinks that, it's a very similar team to Colorado in a lot of ways. Just just the style of play, the depth, um, the attitude. Um, he said that he doesn't he, he likes the the way that the sizes match up, which was one of the questions that I had because at least on paper they they seem a little bit bigger. Um, which, you know, 
it's a measurement, and so you can kind of trust what's on the paper. Um, when you look at the lineup, the heights, so so starting at point guard, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'8", 7'1". That's a pretty big team. Um, I, I do have some concerns about that, um, but the fact that Deshaun didn't does make me feel a little, a, a little bit better about the situation. Um, yeah, I guess I can probably just leave it at that. Tad said that he uh, he's met Florida State's coach a couple of times, but doesn't know him really all that well. They don't have like a relationship, um, and I think that that's interesting. Also, um, Tad also talked about uh, how good it is to see the Pac-12 succeed. Um, he said, I, I think what he said was, we feel as like Pac-12 coaches that we are a little bit disrespected. And then he stopped and said, I mean, no, we're, we're really disrespected, not a little bit disrespected. Um, and it's true. And it's true. And I think we've kind of covered that point, but Tad echoed kind of what I said. Um, but in a very different way, obviously, um, Tad talked about Jariah not hitting his shots and said that he actually told the team yesterday, you know, we just put up 96 points without barely anything from Jariah Horn. We're a good team. And the locker room, you know, the, the point resonated, uh, which is good to hear. And I, I do think that that is a very valid point. You know, Jariah easily could have knocked in a couple of threes yesterday. Not that Colorado really needed them, but they might tomorrow. So that is good to know because I'm pretty sure yesterday he said, that they did play about their best possible offensive game. There is still just that one more piece that is available. And and odds are you're not going to get what you got from Jabari Walker and what you got from Deshaun Schwartz and what you got from Ken and from Batty. And, you know, the odds of everybody playing that well again are slim. But you can basically do the same thing if one of them falls off a little bit and Jariah can make up for it. So that feels good. Tad talked uh, a lot about the fans. You know, they were able to have fans for a couple of the home games at the end. Well, families for a couple of the home games. Um, Pac-12 tournament games. And now some actual fans here at the tournament. And he said that it was really nice. Um, and that it's kind of what it's all about is the fans. Um, and, and then he kind of, I guess it was a bit of a tangent, but it was a really good tangent. And, and he talked about how, the team really does have a lot of people who care about how it does. Um, you know, all around the world. He he used um, examples of former players who are in Japan and former players who are in Europe and all that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, we aren't just playing this game for us in the locker room. It's for all of the Buffaloes who came before, the next ones who are on the way, it's for the fans. It's for all these people who have all these different relationships with the university. And they understand that. That is what is at stake here is, you know, making a lot of people really happy or sad. And maybe that isn't the most important thing in the world, but it's definitely a motivating factor. Um, Tao was also asked, like, whether he had a lot of people reach out. And I guess that was the, the way he got onto the tangent. Um, and... He said that, yeah, 
of course he he got a lot he said like he usually doesn't get all that many but last night it's like 150 texts came in tried to answer all the ones they could um but then he also talked about what happens after losses um they said you know after a loss probably get two three texts i'm gonna get one for my sister i'm gonna get a call from my mom and maybe there's another and that's I don't know. It's something you don't really think about. Um, and so he said it was really nice to have that. He also said that that's why when he does see somebody lose a game, he does reach out um, if, if he has some sort of relationship with the other coach um, just because he knows that that's when you don't get too many people who feel all that sympathetic. Um, so that's about it. Um, and before we get out of here, we're going to uh, make a pick for tomorrow's game but first before we do that i want to remind everybody that there is one day left to take advantage of an awesome sign up promotion from DraftKings sportsbook and that is this you can choose an underdog in the ncaa tournament and bet four dollars on that underdog if that underdog wins the game then you win 256 dollars it's 64 to 1 odds. It's such a great deal. And at worst, you're losing out on $4. Why not check it out? Uh, there's so many awesome things going on. The, the, the NCAA tournament is really the center of it all right now. So much money to be made. So many upsets. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Make sure that you get in on this deal. Like I said, this is the last day that you can take advantage, so don't miss out. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $4 into $256. If the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset, that's code DNVR to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, we're going to uh, talk through these Pac-12 games that are on the way. Um, maybe you'll have a chance to listen to this before the Oregon State-Oklahoma State game at 740. Um, if not, all the games start tomorrow. So we're going to begin there. Oregon State, plus 230, plus 6. I'm bought in. You know, it's kind of your preference, in my opinion, um, whether you want the spread or whether you want that money line. But to me, this is a game where you want to bet on Oregon State. Uh, I, I mentioned this before the game started today on our like pre, not pre-game show, but pre-day of basketball show, that I'm done losing money on Oregon State. Like I, I am betting on Oregon State until they are no longer in this tournament. That is the new strategy. If you're in, I think that we're going to do pretty well. If you're not, then I I, I actually do understand. You know, it, it is Oregon State basketball. They didn't have a great season. They, they pulled it together late, made a run to get into that five seed, and then beat UCLA, beat Oregon, beat Colorado in the championship, beat uh, Tennessee in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I'm I'm betting on them now. I am betting on them now. Um, next up is going to be oh I should say Kay Cunningham does scare me. Uh, the best player for Oklahoma State, the likely number one overall pick in the NBA draft. But 
Ryan is the same way. Just don't like betting on teams that only have one player. I, I, I did bet on them in the first round, but that's different. You know, that's when if you have a player that is so good that he's carrying you to the tournament, he's probably carrying you up toward the, the, the top the top seeds, especially if it's a guy like Cade Cunningham. And that means that your first round game is going to be a, a big upset if you lose. So I do kind of like betting on him in the first round and then fading him from there. And this fits that as well. So it's just kind of a match made in heaven, in my opinion. Um, the next Pac-12 game is going to be the first game on Monday. Oregon versus Iowa. This is a game that I'm really excited about um, just because we've had so many Pac-12 Big Ten conversations. And this would be the Pac-12's chance kind of to put an end to the Big Ten season. Um the Wisconsin-Baylor game just went final, and so there are only two teams from the Big Ten left in the tournament. Those are Iowa and Michigan. Michigan plays LSU. If they win, they'll play Colorado or or, or Florida State. We're going to knock on wood for that. And, you know, that would be the opportunity for the Pac-12 to take the final team out if, if Oregon can get the job done. And... As much as I want to take Oregon in this, and as much as I normally would, if, if you had told me that Oregon is going to be uh, plus five versus Iowa in the second round of this tournament like a week ago, I would have said, yeah, I- I'm in. The problem is that they didn't play that first game. Because VCU had the couple of positive uh, tests, Oregon just got that by. And I do think that there's something to be said for playing tournament basketball right before you get into the tournament. And you might be saying, well, they've played a little bit of tournament basketball. They were in the Pac-12 tournament, to which I would say, yeah, but what happened? Things didn't go well, and now they've had a week off, and and it's just been a weird time. It's tough to believe that this team is going to be its best, especially early in the game. Um, and that's why if you're going to bet on Oregon, which again, I don't hate, I think that if this were a more regular matchup where both teams had played their first round game and Oregon state obviously would have had to have played well enough to win that first round game. I would have liked Oregon, but because we, they didn't have to earn their way in. There's a chance that they really are just a, a team that deserved to go out in the first round because they don't have the pieces put together. Right. And that would kind of add up. Um, like what I would say is, if you want to bet on Oregon, wait until after the game starts, because I think that at some point they are going to be down in this game, and you're going to be able to get better odds than plus five or plus two hundred five. Especially because I think that they're going to, at the very least, start slow because they didn't get that first round game. Um, my plan is to watch a little bit, wait and see what. I think maybe make a bet at halftime. Maybe take that first half under. Um, those have been hitting at a crazy rate in this tournament. And because they're rusty, you know, you could see a couple misses. I, Iowa can put up some points, though. Um, next game, Colorado plus two right now against Florida State. Uh, that's the second game of the day. I I, I mean, I, I really like Colorado here. And they should be favored. And I am absolutely taking Colorado. But I am curious to see how the game plays out. You know, you you could kind of talk yourself into Florida State because of the, the additional length that they have. I don't know what that counts for, though. Um, I guess w- w- what you really... To me, Colorado's bigs are going to be able to handle just about any bigs in the country. And Florida State's aren't so good that 
I'm, I'm going to think that they're going to win that matchup. Uh, I think that Colorado's bigs are going to be just fine, and I kind of like what they have in the lineup, two through five. The question is, what happens when McKinley Wright has to play against Raekwon Evans? Raekwon Evans, uh, of Billings, Montana, I might add, uh, is a senior point guard. He's uh, a six foot four, and he's still the shortest player in that starting lineup. So in crunch time, for the majority of the game, really, Kin's going to be guarding somebody who has four inches on him, according to the, the, the rosters. It could be more like five. We'll see when they stand next to each other tomorrow. That part of it scares me a little bit, especially because Kin is so good at rebounding. You wonder if going up against somebody who who has more tools than him, has has the length, um, has just the the size in general to 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 box him out or to to grab boards over him, that that sort of thing. Um, and then of course, you know, can he just bully him when Kin's trying to play defense? Um, I think Kin should be a little too quick for him, and that should balance everything out. Um, he, I mean, Kin should absolutely be too quick for him. I mean, if he was, if if he was your a good six foot tall point guard, Kin would be too quick for him. Um, but is is it so much quicker that Kin is just living at the rim, um, living in the paint? I should say because I'm not. Things get weird. You don't know how the defense is going to play you. You might be able to spread them out, and Kin just goes in for layups over and over and over again. Might be a situation where he's kicking it out, finding somebody else down there, you know. But is Kin able to just drive past him at will, put him on his back? Uh, He's so good at those little, like, push shots when he has somebody on his back. Um, I've kind of talked myself into taking... Taking Colorado even on the other end of the court, too. You know what? I really do like Colorado in this one. They just played too well to bet against them. Um, And that's where I'm at. And if I said anything that could be a jinx, just knocked on wood again. The uh, next Pac-12 game is actually the third game tomorrow. It will also be the third Pac-12 game tomorrow. USC takes on Kansas. (sighs) So I didn't actually think through these ahead of time. And I just realized that I'm taking all the Pac-12 teams. Um, This one is the toughest, though, in my opinion. USC has that Kansas matchup. Kansas is a good basketball team. Uh, They got the player who had COVID back. USC's length with Evan Mobley. I mean, they can just bully teams and and again i have seen them do this too many times i'm just ready to say you know what i'm riding with it Uh, the fact that i haven't won more money when the pac-12 has not lost a game yet in this tournament is baffling because i've been just a little bit too hesitant to trust hesitant to trust these teams i'm in now i'm all the way in evan mobley looked really good i mean actually he made some mistakes he he should have had the ball more in the post he should have been more of a focal point for that offense. I don't think that it was a perfect game plan in that regard. The fact that there's room to grow does make me feel better about this. Although, even though he's Pac-12 coach of the year, I don't necessarily trust Andy Emfield to to clean all those little things up. Um, I do still like USC, though. I wish they weren't favored, but they're only minus 124, minus a point and a half if you want to play the spread. I'm bought in. 
And then uh, the final Pac-12 game will be the final game of the day tomorrow, UCLA, against Abilene Christian. I'm taking UCLA. I, I think, I mean, they're minus 200, which seems like incredible value on UCLA considering they're playing Abilene Christian. But after you, what we saw Abilene Christian do to Texas yesterday, nah. But Texas has kind of been overrated for a while too. I mean, they haven't won a tournament game in... Has Shaka Smart? No, he Shaka Smart's won tournament games. But not all that many. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's got to be UCLA there. With all this stuff, though, anything can happen in March. Um, I'm going to pick one of these to be the official DraftKings pick of the week. And... The DraftKings pick of the week is going to be... Oregon State to, let me see, the odds just disappeared. There we go. Oregon State plus six. We're going to be reasonable here. Um, plus 230, I really like two, taking that money line. All There are so many close games in this tournament. Plus six is probably the, the smart thing to do. Um, and that's the official DraftKings pick of the week. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. I will be back tomorrow with the post-game show after... CU plays. What time? Carl Durrell is talking at 1 o'clock. Let's see. I'm trying to do some math right now. So the game's going to start at 10-10. It'll get over at like 12-10. Post-game show is going to be going right up against Carl Durrell. So there's a good chance I'm going to make it to Carl Durrell's thing too. If that's the case, I guess we'll talk about that on Tuesday. And even if I don't make it, I guess I'll listen to the replay anyway. So then we'll talk about me listening to the replay on Tuesday. Um... So, yeah, there's a plan for the next couple days. Um, I will see you all tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly did a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Tribal Big 12, here we come.